Oh, I love it. Good to be back. Man, it is good to be back. What a trip it's been, huh? It has been a, a ride, I can tell you that. Well, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do, welcome back to you, Hawks. Thanks for listening. We are at episode 193. 193. Inching closer and closer to the big 200. The big 200. But we got a good one lined up for you. And Yeah, I'm excited. You know, as the listeners know, we just got back from Energio. That's right. Had a, gosh, I don't know, 10-day trip to Germany. Um, kind of parlayed it with some vacation time yeah. in addition to the conference itself, which was absolutely amazing. It really was. So much fun. You know, it was so good to see some of our really good friends that we've yeah. know, communicated we, with People forever. we've had on the show that actually got to meet in person. Yep, yep. And, of course, tons of new friends. I can't wait for those interviews to come out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already... I'm already going back through some of them, and I forgot some of the cool stuff that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, so cool. But I don't know. I don't know what the highlight was. To be honest with you, there were so many. It's like every day there were, like it just kept getting better and better. Yeah, uh, hanging out with the guys from Airworks was definitely, and the guys from um, uh, AppClose AppClose were great. Yeah, Uh, bad elf folks, of course. uh, Yeah, seeing Michael. Yep, Michael Gula. Yeah. Good yeah. to see him. Elaine Ball, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, I mean, I, I look back at it, like you said, and I'm like, I don't know that it could have gone any better. <sighs> we were, uh, like, our spot was almost Amazing. perfect. Yep. Um, yeah, the, I, I, no, I think you're right. I don't know how it could have gone any, any better. Yeah. Uh, so- we just needed more time. <laughs> We ran out of time. Every everything we just we were just running. I don't. Yeah, we didn't stop for three yeah. straight days. Yeah. But it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. So uh, be on the lookout for those episodes. I don't know if yeah. it'll be two, three. I don't know. Yeah, I know we oh, got some be, amazing I, I, interviews I, I for think sure. We had three solid days. Um, so it'll definitely be three. Yep. Yep. And we all we made it there and we made it back safely. Yes, most we importantly, did. exactly. Not too many hiccups, really. No. I mean, no. You gotta got expect to, some small things to happen. You know, you know? carrying a lot of gear through many different yes. flights, and yes. uh, it, all in all, uh, I can't wait to go back next year. Yep. Agreed. Hundred percent. All right. Let's move on. Tell us about that opening number there. Sean. Oh man. Uh, one of the bands that I grew up with, uh, it was, I don't know how, how old I was, but uh, there was a period of time where uh, this band Poison was uh, at the top of my list on the old cassette tape, uh, a song called Nothing But A Good Time. Uh, I don't know if we've ever had Poison on. Uh, American you know what? Yeah, we have not. All right. I did uh, a search like through all the episodes because I'm like, yeah. surely we had to play a Poison song before. No? And, nope. First time. Uh, American Rock Band gained prominence in the 1980s and early 90s uh one of the lead acts in the glam metal and hard rock genre uh they're formed in 1983 in mechanicsburg pennsylvania classic lineup brett michaels cc deville bobby doll and ricky rocket on drums best name ricky rocket i I mean all those guys like uh, uh, anyway uh known for their glitzy and andrew uh, androgynous image poison was part of the glam metal scene that included bands like motley Crue, def leppard and bon jovi in addition to music brett michaels became a reality tv star uh, appearances on shows like rock of love and the celebrity appearance uh, apprentice and i was a huge fan of both those shows um I mean, I, I wasn't really into reality shows, still no. really not. So it wasn't really my thing. But yeah, uh, I mean, 
legendary. Oh, legendary. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I have not seen Poison, but I have seen Brett Michaels solo. Oh, okay. Okay. And amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And he, you know, he, he's, he lives here. I think he still lives here. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he, got yeah, a yeah. place like up in Silverleaf or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool. Yeah, when we saw yeah. him here locally. Local and guy. Yeah. Brought a bunch of his, you know, friends, local friends, local musicians up on stage and everything. And it was super cool. So yeah. Uh, good band. Love them. Uh, we are in the Get Kids Into Survey studio. We are tonight. And we mentioned that we got to see Elaine Ball and spend some time with her at Energeo. And all I can say is that woman has more energy than just about anybody I know. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't get it. She was everywhere. She was somehow everywhere and still like always around us at the same time. (laughs) There had to be three of her running around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but uh, kudos to her. She's got great things going and it makes sense why her and TK get along so well. Oh, absolutely. Both yes. like endless yeah. amounts endless, of energy. En- and endless passion. energy. They also somehow get 40 hours a day in when all of us have 24. Yep. Yep. I don't know how they do it, but uh, good for them. And we're happy that they are friends of the program. Absolutely. Uh, moving on. It's t- Next up, we have the, we met, just mentioned hanging out with our buddies from Airworks when yep. we were in uh, Berlin. Great time. And uh, it's time for the Airworks random trivia. Uh, well, it's always the Airworks random trivia, but uh, it's a little bit uh, on point as uh, I chose the topic of Oktoberfest trivia. Uh, so real quick, just a couple nuggets. Um we, we knew this going in, but I, I definitely saw it going to Munich. Uh, Oktoberfest actually takes place at the end of September. I think the last days are the first couple days of October. And only beer from Munich is sold at our Oktoberfest. Uh, me and Lexi uh, had a chance to go to Munich for a couple of days on this trip, and it was awesome. I mean, outstanding place. Uh, one of our favorite days. And uh, the locals know the event as Bison. I don't, uh, oh, W I E S N is what they call okay. it. Okay. Uh, you can't start drinking until the mayor opens the first keg. I think you've seen some, maybe seen some, some reels of that where they take the, the wooden, uh, mallet and they bang the thing into the, yeah. Oh, so yeah. The mayor's mm-hmm. got to do the first one of those. Uh, Oktoberfest beer is brewed extra strong at about 6% alcohol. And uh, there are 17 beer tents to choose from. Uh, Oktoberfest wasn't at originally a beer festival. It was originally a wedding party to celebrate in honor of the Bavarian crown prince Lug- Ludwig's marriage in 1810. And then it just turned into a massive beer event every year. Six million, million people go and they consume about 1.8 million gallons of beer. Say that again. Six million people attend and consume 1.8 million gallons of beer. So if you want to call that two, <laughs> I'm going to have to do some math on that. Yeah, that's uh it does it's, so it's about a third of a gallon a person. Which sounds a little that. sounds a little I light. could do that. Yes. I think we did that one night in Berlin. Yeah, I think one night we were good for 1 gallon <laughs> at least. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. That's all you got? Uh, that is uh, one last thing. Over 4,000 lost and found items are found each year. I don't even want to know what's in that lost and found. I can <laughs> right? only imagine. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. All right, cool. Let's move on to the advanced geodetic surveys, weekly words of wisdom. I love this one. By three methods, we may learn wisdom. Ooh. First, by reflection, which is the noblest. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest. The bitterest. Yes. Yes. So reflection and imitation are good. 
experience can be bittersweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. absolutely. I get that one. Hey there, Kent. Can we talk about Trimble for a second? We sure can. All right. Trimble Geospatial provides solutions that facilitate high-quality, productive workflows and information exchange for a global and diverse customer base of surveyors, engineering and GIS service companies, governments, utilities, and transportation authorities. That was a mouthful, my friend. Trimble's innovative technologies include integrated sensors, field applications, real-time communications, and office software for processing, modeling, and data analytics. Yeah, using Trimble Solutions, organizations can capture the most accurate spatial data and transform it into intelligence to deliver increased productivity and improved decision-making. Trimble Geospatial pioneering the future of data intelligence, converging people, product, and place seamlessly to help you make your mark and leave your legacy. They also put on a really great party. Yes, they do. Trimble Dimensions will be there next year. Absolutely. To find out more, go to geospatial.trimble.com. Um, okay, let's get our guests in here. They are, of course, sponsored by XYHT Magazine this week. Uh, we have Ken Fraunheiser and Richard Johnson from Keystone Precision. And I'm going to let them do some real brief self-introductions and let Rick go first. Just kind of tell us who you are, who you're with, which I just kind of spoiled that, yeah. and what you do for Keystone. So, Rick, go ahead. It's all you. Thanks, guys. Uh, my name is Rick Johnston. I'm a member of the technical training and support staff here at Keystone. We're the Northeast uh, Northeast United States Trimble dealer, uh, all you know, dealing with all facets of geospatial technology, and you know, supporting our customers, training our customers on, on how to use this this technology. Nice, very good, Ken. You're up next. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, name's Ken Fraunheiser. I am uh, the Director of Strategic Integration and Technology um, at Keystone. Um, I started there almost 10 years ago. I started as a sales consultant in Central PA, uh, then you know, moved into helping build out our support team. Rick uh, is a longtime surveyor, has over 30 years of experience in surveying and with uh, UAS. Uh, so I promised him that he did not have to work in the rain anymore if he came work for us. So, so that's how I got You're right. on our team, but uh, <laughs> only once. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I'm a licensed uh, land surveyor in Pennsylvania. Practiced for about 17 years. Uh, came to Keystone, and now again working with the support team, building that out. We're about seven people strong now. And then you know, on top of that, working with some of our larger customers to help integrate you know latest technology whether it's uas scanning you know whatever they're interested in looking to do ken is uh pennsylvania a meets and bounds state or is it a plss state it's meets, meets and, bounds. and bounds yeah that's what i thought interesting surveying yeah. in pennsylvania i'm sure mm. okay well, before we get into this lots of if, if you like research <laughs> if you like research it's, it's a good place to be absolutely all right so time for the trimble pro point icebreaker um, Sean liked this one last time we threw it out there. Okay. If you could um, switch lives oh, with yeah. any one person for a day. Uh, this is real or fictional, is that real right? Real or fictional. Yeah. Who would it be and why? Who wants to go first? Any obvious answers come to mind? Hmm. That's a good one. That's a real good Rick's one. got a smile on his face. I think he's got one brewing there. No, that's just just me trying to think of something because it, it, it's an excellent question and certainly something there's, that I, there's no wrong answers. You know, I've never really thought about. It. Uh, 
Who you got? Come on. Let's see. Elvis Presley. I would. <laughs> no. I I don't know that I have a specific person, uh-huh. but I would want to be in the life of somebody that's like some huge executive, you know, Bezos, um, mm-hmm. you know, okay. somebody along those lines, just to see what that day looks like. Mm-hmm. They, they need to do so much in it. They need to do so much in a day. Right. So they, they obviously have families, right. Um, you know, so they got to fit in family time. They, they have their, their, their corporate duties. You know, they obviously have a, a crazy you know social calendar with going to this event, that event. So I don't know that I could pick somebody straight out, mm-hmm. um, but it would be that, that type of person, sure. right? Like, like how do they structure their day, you know, and what does that look like? So that, sure. that's what I would be very curious to just to kind of follow those guys around for a day. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a good, yeah. I never heard that. That's a good one. On that note, Sean, you're going to love this. I started a Kanban today. Oh, I love Kanban. Yeah. I started one today. Cause like getting back from a 10 day vacation and then, you know, having to jet out for a couple of days yesterday, yeah. it's like my mind was scrambled and I'm like, I have to get a grip on all this stuff in my yeah. head. Yeah. So I'm like, Kanban. And you can, only, you can only put so much in your uh, yes. doing cat column. And just like spending an hour downloading into my Kanban today. Oh, I bet you freed that just yeah, my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I felt so much you get better. Get it out of here that. and on here and then you yes. organize it. And, oh, yeah. All right. We delayed long enough. Rick, yeah, you're Rick, up. Rick, you're up, buddy. Well, I think um, over the last year or so, I have spent a lot more time in a car than I have for a long time. Mm. And so as a result, I have systematically worked my way through a whole series of books about the World War II and the Pacific. Oh, there you go. Okay. So probably it would be Chester Nimitz, Admiral Nimitz, because. Oh, interesting. I like that. And just, and it's, and it has nothing to do with the actual fighting of the war, but the, the amount of things and stuff that he had to manage on a daily basis. And the fact that one person could do to do it, I find fascinating. And I would like to see how he did it. Yeah, yeah. Again, Kanban to the rescue right there. Right. Oh, I know. He probably had one. Oh, had to. If anybody listening doesn't know what it is, Google Kanban. Yeah, it's K-A-N-B-A-N. Yeah. And there's there's like free applications and stuff like that. That One of them, which I used, and again, already mind-freeing. Absolutely. Okay, let's get on with this. We are going to talk all things Keystone Precision. That's why you guys are here. Um, tell us about the business. You know, and how? When did the business start? Kind of what was what? What's the mission? And uh, you know, just kind of talk about what you guys do. Ken, I'll let you go. Um, I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first. So, uh, Keystone was founded in uh, 1989 uh, by a gentleman uh, by the name of Keith Border. Um, you know, he small, he was an engineer, uh, started, I believe, um, I, I wasn't part of the company since, you know, since 89, but, um, yeah, so started as like a small top con, you know, dealer of, you know, uh, robots or, or not even robots, just conventional total stations, things of that nature. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, he hired a name by a gentleman by the name of George Alport senior, um, who was a retired military, uh, had a lot of GPS background and whatnot, and then in turn hired his son. And he, he's going to tell this story way better than I, but uh, essentially his uh, George Alport Jr. Uh, recently graduated, whatnot, and he wanted to move to California. Um, but his dad you know, quickly reminded him he had no money. <laughs> so he decided to come on as an intern at Keystone. At that time, it was Keystone Precision Instruments. Um, 
and uh, he never left. He's now the president CEO. So George Alports wow. Jr. is now the the yeah, so he, he you know worked his way up. Um, so again, if you want to hear the, the the real story, you want to talk to him. But uh, <laughs> but that's kind of the long and short of it. Um, but yeah, so he you know so he he is now the president CEO um, of Keystone Precision Solutions. Yeah, and tell me again how long you guys individually have been with Keystone. I've been there almost ten years. Ten years. Okay. How about you, Rick? I've been here for about a year and a half. Okay, cool. So, Ken, in 10 years, how have you seen the company evolve? Oh, it's uh, from – so when I came, I was a sales rep in Central PA. Um, you know, we, we kind of did everything, right? So, so as a sales rep, I was responsible for finding business, quoting it, demoing it, and, you know, technical support and everything in between. Mm. Um, you know, so through that time, we've evolved um, – into now having, you know, uh, we had a service team, but the service team is way more robust than what it was. And we, we just grew. Uh, so, you know, we have support uh, and service in every office. Um, you know, like I mentioned, we have, we have a support team that's now seven strong that has, and each member of the support team has, they all have core business knowledge, right? So GPS robots, but, mm. you know, Rick, as an example, um, has UAS experience, scanning experience. Uh, Brent Fico um, has, uh, you know, scanning core business, uh, mobile mapping experience. Um, Jamie Deanne has a lot of, uh, UAS experience. Uh, he's a recent out of ours up in new England. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mike King is a, a down in our Crofton office. He has a core, you know, a lot of core business, uh, a lot of MGIS experience. Um, and then we have in our office, we have, uh, our, what we like to call our, our triage and our crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we have a customer that's down in the field, we kind of try to get her, you know, try to get our customers up and running as fast as we can. So she'll kind of manage that, you know, that effort. And then we also have uh, George Scott, who was a technician on the bench for many years that we've kind of migrated him over to support. So if it's, if it's software, you know, process we can't figure out we'll say hey george could this be a hardware issue and then he can kind of diagnose it from that end so that's the team that i lead from Mm -hmm. from from that point so we've really growing out our our mission really is to two things one make sure our customers are not down and are not down right so time is money and then on top of that if if you want to measure something uh we want to have a solution for Mm. you whether it's gps robots steel tape mobile mapping system monitoring um you know we will have something that, that will be able to help our customers. Sure. And, you know, looking at your website, um, which is very user-friendly, by the way, uh, you guys are sales, of course, service, um, you know, tech support. There's even a, a VRS component. Is that correct? Yeah, there is. So a sister company of ours is Keynet GPS. So we have one of the largest um, – privately owned VRS networks in the country. So that kind of runs roughly from Virginia to Maine. Um, so yeah, so that's a uh, RVR, RVRS network as well. Okay. All right. And what would you like to add to that, Rick? Uh, just that, you know, I think before I came to Keystone, I was a customer. Mm. Ken was actually my salesman for years. Nice. Uh, and, but I've been a customer of Keystone since the early nineties uh, for, you know, for, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think, you know, my perspective on how Keystone has changed over the years is obviously different than somebody's that was inside of the company. But, you know, but Ken is right that, you know, when, when he was the salesman, if I had a problem, if I had a question, I would, you know, he was the only person I had to call. And I think now we have, the, you know, this dedicated support team mm-hmm. 
And I think a, a lot of our customers really appreciate the effort that we put mm. into making sure that they have somebody there to you know kind of fix their problem, even if even if the solution isn't what they want to hear. You're, you know, it's got to, you know, your total station has got to come in and there's something physically broken with it, but at least they get an answer sooner rather than later. And then they can come up with a game plan as to how to handle that, you know, that, that, that situation. Yeah. So talk about the different, um, I guess, industries that you guys support. It's not just surveyors, I'm sure. Talk about, uh, you know, just your general customer base. I would say surveyors are probably our largest, right? Mm-hmm. But um, engineering firms, um, building construction firms, mm-hmm. um, a, more we're seeing a lot more um, uh, public safety uh, with the with UAS, um, you know, things of that nature. Um, so, so those are you know a couple other industries that you know that we touch, and then you know we'll have some other customers that are, you know, we're we're doing a lot more with monitoring, so we'll get a lot more in the buildings in that way. Um, have a very unique one right now where they're um, putting some monitoring solutions on some docks, so mm-hmm. we're getting into to some of those you know a little bit you know non typical if you will. Uh, we're seeing more architects looking at scanning um, for a solution for measuring buildings versus you know tapes you know so so we're touching some of those markets as well cool you just gave me the the look like yeah we were just talking about that <laughs> <laughs> uh talk, talk, we were talking about how to help some of our, our shared yeah. architect clients and specifically in scanning and you know inside now everyone wants to update mm-hmm. revit models and that's definitely and it was a it was a topic that came up a lot oh, yeah. at, at Energeo. it was probably more no about scanning and point cloud than it was uh, survey equipment. Yep, definitely. Who are you guys uh, partnered with? I mean, you're. You, I think you mentioned you're a Trimble dealer. Who? Who? What other manufacturers are you? Uh, are you teamed up with? So primarily, we're we're a Trimble, uh, you know, a Trimble House, uh, Spectra Precision. Um, we are uh, also a C4 dealer, um, and we also represent um, DJI and Wingtra on the on the UAS front as well. Cool. Very cool. Um, and then you, yeah. we really, we really can be a one-stop shop, right? So yeah. we, you know, we have all paint, ribbon, and nails as well for sure. you know for all those types of things. So if you, if you look at that, then you're looking at Seco and mm-hmm. Airbo and you know all those you know uh, Chris Nick and all those companies. But from a technology standpoint, yeah. What like right. what what are the challenges that you guys encounter? I mean, are there still like supply chain issues or that type thing, or is stuff pretty much readily available at this point? There are some in certain pockets, right? UAS right now, we're seeing some struggles with getting some things. Um, but core business, when, when I say that, I mean, GPS and robots, that's pretty much, mm-hmm. pretty much has died down. Um, 18 months ago, you know, coming out of COVID, that was not the case, um, you know, where you know, we would, we weren't able to get things. And, and, and that was a challenge. Mm-hmm. That was a big challenge. But I'd say for those types of things, that's not so much. We are st- still seeing some of that on the UAS side, though. Yeah. Yep. So, Rick, were you? Are you? Do you have a survey background as well? Actually, I, I do not. Okay. Um, it's a, it's I okay, Rick. You're in a safe. You're in a safe place. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I I started at an engineering firm 30 years ago. My my you know I went to school for, and my background is actually in geology. Um, okay. Started at a at, you know as a kind of a staff geologist 30 years ago at an engineering firm. The, the company started an enormous um, transportation project in the northeast corner of the of 
Pennsylvania. There was no geology work to do, but lots of survey work to do. So I was issued a machete and told to report to the to the uh, survey department. <laughs> nice. Uh, by the end of that that project, uh, I was actually a crew chief, and then we got into GPS and you know UAVs and, and all that stuff. And I just kind of never went back to geology. And honestly, uh, you know, I I've really enjoyed it. It, it. It's been a lot of fun. But you know, I do you know I, I like to provide that disclaimer, particularly when I'm you know giving presentations to surveyors sure. and things like that. You know, yeah. not. I am not a surveyor. Well, I mean, you're not, you're not like a licensed surveyor, but you do have a survey background. And I think that's really, really important, yes. you know, being in the position you guys are in. Right. You know, Ken, you mentioned that you are a surveyor, a licensed surveyor. Um, and I, I think that is key to understanding what your customers' needs are. You have that background to be able to guide them, um, you know, from a different place that, rather than if you didn't have those experiences. Would you agree? I, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, both Ken and I have we have worked in the survey industry. We have collected a lot of survey geospatial data. I think we understand the challenges both in the field and, and in the office. And Ken has kind of coined this, you know, hashtag saying is you know what's your deliverable because it doesn't matter right. how that. you collect the data oh, or yeah. what you do, yep. but un, un, unless you can convince somebody to pay you for something, mm-hmm. it makes no difference. Yep. Yep. I love that. What's the deliverable? It's a great first question. Well, especially when you get into the, oh, we were in this want versus need setting and, oh yeah, I I do want all these things. But if my deliverable is still something that doesn't warrant the equipment, then it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think the question of what's your deliverable more and more is changing because Mm -hmm. it used to be, Mm -hmm. it was a map, it was a paper map, you know, but the future of surveying is more and more going to be 3d models Mm -hmm. you know digital bim models things like that so i I think that's a very relevant question to ask yeah how do you guys keep up with the latest developments in technology i mean obviously going to conferences like the one you're at right now but talk about that just a little bit um so we do we do a fair amount of working with our with our partners right to to stay you know to stay up with the latest technology, um, but we're always looking outside of that as well, right? So, you know, I think it's it's uh, attending. I think attending a conference is probably one of the bigger ways we do it. So we've been at you know collectively, my group has been at the UAS conference in Vegas earlier this year. Uh, Rick and I were both at Geo Week. Um, I'll be going to Triple Dimensions in I guess two weeks or two or three weeks, whenever that is. Um, so that's a big part of it, and then obviously just research. and And I think another big part of it is just talking to our customers. Oh yeah, just finding out, you know, how can we help you? What can we do? Um, you know, it, you know, I've kind of since we built up the support team, I've roadmapped out, you know, the next 18, 24 months of things I think we need to look at. That's why we brought UAS on. It was just in talking with our customers. It was something that they want to measure it. And it's a great way to do it. So I think that's a big avenue is just talking to our customers and understanding one, how we can help them first and foremost, but then, you know, what are they seeing? What are they, what is going to help them create that deliverable? Yeah. And from a, uh, like a business development perspective, what for you guys kind of, what's the best way for you to, um, you know, acquire new customers? So, I mean, word of mouth, 
yeah. doesn't hurt. Right. And, and we, we're very proud of that, that, you know, we really want to help our customers. So we do that. I mean, obviously social media and, you know, mm-hmm. things of like that. So we've been in this space for a very long time. I mean, our customer list is fairly large, but, you know, we're always, I mean, to your point, we're always wanting to help more people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, word of mouth, social media conferences, you know, state conferences, um, presenting, um, our goal is every state that we represent this, uh, you know, between 23 and 24, we want to present at every conference. Oh, wow. Um, so it's just showing, you know, every, everybody on my team has surveying experience, different facets so that, you know, we can kind of lean on each other when we have some issues that we're not sure how to solve, but every, every single member on my team has many years of surveying experience. So, um, you know, we want to leverage that and, and, you know, help our customers. Uh, how many States did I, how many States do you guys cover? You said the, all the Northeast. So from Virginia to Maine and West to Illinois or something like that, or how far, what, what's your region? No. So, so we have, um, you know, Virginia, uh, Maryland, Delaware, a little bit of West Virginia, uh, probably about two thirds of Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, um, Maine. So 12, 13 States that we, okay. Now say the capitals backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Rick, you're up. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to have to look them up on Google. Do, do those, uh, I'm just curious. Do those guys have uh, state-specific conferences? Do any of them kind of combine in regions? Like, what, what's the what's the makeup in that area? Uh, for the most part, they each have their own state conference. I do know in Connecticut they have something. I can't remember the acronym, but they all have acronyms. Hmm. Um, I can't remember the acronym where a couple states around Connecticut get together. But for the most part, they each have their own. I don't know so much about Rhode Island, but they each kind of have their own. Um, I know for New Hampshire, for sure, um, I've attended that conference. I've attended conferences in New Hampshire, New York, uh, New Jersey, um, Connecticut. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, you know, Obviously, Pennsylvania. I've, yeah, so yep. um, they mo- most of those have their own conferences. Sure. Ken, did you say you were at GeoWeek last year? I was. Well, in 23. Brick and I were both. You guys were both there? Okay. Yeah, that, was, like that, was, I, that was this year. Yeah. Well, this year, sure. Yeah. So when, when Ken yeah. came up on the video, I'm like, God, I know I've seen him before. And it was probably a GeoWeek last year. Yeah, you remember that week? <laughs> That's the worst because, and again, this year, it starts the Monday after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I know, I know. So it's like, man, oh, man, it's a rough one. It's like, do you go in early and watch the Super Bowl in Denver? No. Or do you get up really early on Monday after watching the Super Bowl no, at home? You just and, sleep it off on the plane uh, and ho- hope you can wake up refreshed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we see you guys there this year. Oh, yeah, we'll be there. Yeah. Let's talk about some differentiators. Cool. What kind of separates, um, you know, Keystone from other like companies you know what what makes keystone great so i'll let rick answer this because he was just a customer 18 months ago what was different from us when we were i mean and, and it i really think it is the focus and you know ken can speak to the you know when kind of when keystone started this but the focus on having a dedicated uh support team because in you know ten years ago, I got a new you know I would get a new GPS receiver. Ken would drop it off, show me how to use it, and then if I had questions, he was the only resource. And so if I was out in the field and Ken happened to be you know took vacation and didn't tell me or something like mm-hmm. 
you know, there, you know, it was there was there was no other resource available. With, but that's you know, over the last two years or so, yep. that's really changed, and and I think that separates us from from a lot of other other dealers. And and I think you know, I'd like to think that we are continuing to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely key. I mean, me being a surveyor, you know, and, and working with companies, you know, like like yourselves here locally, um, the ones that provide the best support are the ones that I always turn to for sure. So, oh, and there's the ones that retain the mm-hmm. most customers anyway, which yeah. are end up being the most successful, which is the ones that stick mm-hmm. around. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, talk about that. Talk about you know the technical support or maybe the training that you guys offer that, um, you know, does play a role in separating you from other companies. Yeah. So, um, go ahead, Rick, you go. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Ken. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, because of the, the wide range of, of geospatial technology that we, that we carry, um, you know, we can, we can train and support on everything we sell. So if it's a UAS unit, if it's a DJI drone, um, you know, we have Rick and Jamie. If it's a mobile mapping unit, we have, you know, you know, we have Rick and Brent, you know, if it's, you know, seafloor, we have Brent and Mike. So we have, you know, we, we we're cross-trained in, in, you know, so that when someone does take vacation, you know, you're not dead in the water, but, um, but, you know, we, so we offer anything from regular GPS training to mobile mapping, uh, you know, mobile mapping training, UAS training. Um, and what, what we like to do is a lot of times, you know, delivery training is, can be very, um, similar customer to customer, but, you know, a lot of times we will, we try to go through a process of a discovery call where we'll sit down and say, what do you want to know? If you're doing layout all the time and you have no desire ever to collect points, well, then maybe we won't spend as much time on that. So, so we try to kind of teach, you know, kind of create a customized agenda for every customer um, because everybody customer does it a little bit different. So we'll typically hop on the call, um, talk to the customer about, you know, what are you looking to use this equipment for? Not that we don't know that during the sales process, but, you know, just hearing it from the end user, right? Because they're sometimes they're not always the ones that, that make the purchase. But so we'll typically do that, create a, a written agenda um, that we will, you know, get to the customer. Like, this is what we heard. Is this what you were saying? You know, and then from there, um, you know, obviously pick a date that works for everybody. And then we'll, you know, go out to the field and, and train them. Um, I, I'm big on trying not to train on an active job site, depending on your skill set. Mm-hmm. If you're new to it, I like to try to do it somewhere where, you know, there's not the pressure of so many, you know, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Let's just spend six to eight hours. And let's just, let's just work on this craft. Um, and, you know, after that, you know, obviously, um, or we have a technical support line that if customers have questions or we need to make a return visit to answer some questions, we're more than happy to do that as well. Rick, what were you going to say? No, just, you know, kind of the same thing is that, you know, we, we provide training on everything that we sell and, you know, they're given the kind of the knowledge base amongst the, the support team. There really aren't many questions that we, we can't answer, honestly. You know, I, I think we have a, a very well-rounded uh, support team. And I got to ask you, that training that you refer to, is that included in like the purchase price of the equipment typically, or is that like an added feature that folks can, uh, uh, I guess, spend more money on. (laughs) How does it work with you guys? So yes and yes. So we, we typically don't do bundle pricing. Like if you wanted to buy a robot, like here's your robot price. Um, 
we try to lay it. We like we try to be very consultative with it. So we'll go sit down with a customer and say, okay, so I want to buy, you know, make up a scenario. I want to buy a new robot. Okay, great. So you're upgrading from this robot. Yeah, I have a new set of Trimax legs. Okay, so you don't need those. So we'll pull that out, yeah. right? So we have a typical thing that we would typically quote, right? So if it's a customer that either some some of our larger customers have their own in, internal training, um, you know, standard operating procedures, and you know they have their own staff that will train their their new people, as an example, the way they want them to do it, you know, then, you know, we won't add it. Um, but, you know, it's something that we will add to, to, you know, every customer, you know, every customer that's interested in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I want to say that, you know, we talk about it, you know, at every sale. Um, but, uh, you know, some customers that, you know, they, they already know how to run a, an R12i. They're just adding another one to the fleet. Sure. You know, we're not going to, yeah. you know, require them for that. But uh, so we try to be very consultant with, with our approach. Yeah. Good stuff. What do you got to add to that, Rick? Um, not much, except that you know I think what we you know what is included in the sale is is the support, mm-hmm. and, and I, I yep. keep kind of coming back to that. But I, I think it's it's really important, definitely, uh, because it doesn't matter how good the equipment is if it you know if you can't figure out how to run it or something wrong with mm-hmm. it, it is extremely frustrating. And so you know, like one of the you know. One of the things that I really enjoy about this job is when some, you know, some guy is out, you know, in the middle of nowhere trying to get his job done. Something's not working. He calls me and we're able to fix it, you know, in a couple of minutes. Excuse me. Uh, And it's, you know, it's just, it's good. You know, it's, and and they appreciate it. And and I think they appreciate that, that value added to the, you know, their, their person. What's the uh, pre-owned equipment market like these days? That's a good one. Um, so we so we typically do not um, we don't buy and sell used equipment per se. Um, you know, we're, with that said, we do try to rotate our our rental fleet, mm-hmm. our demo fleet, on a regular basis. So that's primarily where most of our used equipment does come Got from. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll try to cycle that out. And this, you know, I, I don't get too much of all of this. I'm, I'm going to say around 18, 24 months. We'll try to cycle that out. The the benefit of, of Purchasing used or you know pre or pre used I sure. should say not really pre owned yeah. but um, equipment from us is that we always know what happened to it so when it comes back from a rental it gets checked out before the sale we'll run it through a clean and calibration process update the firmware whatever it is uh, to ensure that it's all but new when it goes out to the customer mm-hmm. um, so in fact we're you know towards the end of the year is typically when we'll just we'll start flipping our fleet over for for next year so we'll we'll go through check you know see if it's depreciated to a certain extent and then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll um, open that up to the market. Got it. So Sean, do you ever wish that you could have a weekly cup of coffee with a like-minded survey professional? Actually, I have wished that. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I am here to tell you that you can do just that by participating in the virtual mentoring Mondays program. What is that like? Think of Mentoring Mondays as the weekly office hours of the surveying profession. And the cool thing is you can find out more by simply going to mentoringmondays.xyz. And while we're on the topic of becoming the best surveyor ever, you also need to check out Wisdom Wednesdays. Oh, really? Have you ever thought about how awesome it would be to have a book club specifically for land surveyors? You know, I have thought that that would be a really good idea. (laughs) I thought you have. And our good friend Trent Keenan has once again beat you to the punch with his Wisdom Wednesdays group. 
Wisdom Wednesdays is a great opportunity to read survey-specific books and have a weekly interactive conversation about each informative chapter with like-minded professionals. If you're interested and want to find out more, go to wisdomwednesdays.xyz. Uh, you had mentioned that you guys like to uh, uh, do a do a talk or uh, uh, lead a discussion at uh, every conference that you go to. Um, can you give us an insight on kind of some of the some of the topics that you go to, or maybe what's the topic at the at the one you're at you're at now? So, so the one we're doing this week is on seafloor uh, systems and um, integrating that. So we're kind of doing a little a little uh, test. Um, the test project at the hotel pool. Okay. So we're going to put the C4 system in the pool um, and, and then we're going to scan the outside of it and then bring the data together in Trimble Business Center. Um, and then we're also going to do a short talk on some GPS, but it really ranges. We kind of try to work with each society to say, you know, is there something that, that you would like to talk about? You know, because we do carry a pretty broad range. Um, but I would say advanced technologies is kind of that the always kind of rises to the top with right yeah and that was kind of like my next question is what's the new you know what what do you end up talking about the most in the in the up you know what's the new exciting thing that everyone wants to hear about or that you that's the that's the buzz around around town these days uh laser scanning is is a big one um uas right now is is you know as the cool kids would say hi um it's really taking off get it um so but yeah so that's uh, that's a good one and then you know we're we're also doing some uh sorry sorry right it t- we're it t- also mon- it so awesome a joke it took me a second to really really let it sink in <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh we're talking more and more about monitoring as okay well. uh what are some of the use cases in monitoring that uh, that uh, maybe we don't don't think about or what what that you've come across I mean, I think an obvious one is, is building subsidence, sure. something along those nature, along those natures. But I think one of the things that I didn't really think about until I really kind of understood the industry better was geospatial monitoring, whether it's, you know, settlement of, of, um, you know, docks on the water, oh, sure. um, you know, vibration, vibration sensors, tilt sensors, um, things of that nature. It's not something I, I really, I, I wasn't exposed to that hardly at all um, when I was practicing. So that was learning more about that was really interesting. Um, so that, you know, obviously you can put GPS and monitor deltas and you know, subsidence, but I think the geotechnical part of that was, was um, pretty good. See, did you hear that? The geotechnical part of that was, uh, was uh, the most exciting thing he's ever seen. Okay. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure that, you know, given the States that you guys cover, you got a lot of coastline there and a lot of old buildings along right. that coastline. So I can definitely see how the monitoring component is, is coming into play a lot as the, as the infrastructure ages and the definitely. buildings get, yeah. you know, I think we were, when we were in, um, God, we, we were at some museum and looking at, uh, they had like an example of like an old, wooden pile that's you know 30 foot pile and and obviously it didn't last oh because we were in amsterdam and we were looking at amsterdam's like built on a swamp and you're looking at uh, all it was all just built on these wood piles that eventually just rotted and all the buildings are starting to get kind of out of skew and it was really interesting to see and i can see all of that same kind of application you know even all along the the coastline of the, the the northeast yeah for sure. Um, wh- I saw something on the website as well. You guys work a lot with, um, what's, what am I looking for? Like, uh, like, the, like police officers and stuff like that, you know, uh, with 
I guess maybe selling and servicing scanners to them to do like accident reconstruction and stuff along those lines. Talk about that uh, a little bit. Yeah, so um, they're using, you know, law enforcement's using this technology more and more every day. Uh, in some cases, it's unfortunate, right? Because it's it's usually deployed if there's an accident mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but even like SLAM technology, where they're starting to use that to map hospitals, schools, things of that nature, that if they need to have some type of emergency response plan, they, you know, they can have a floor plan to kind of know where every nook and cranny of the, of the school is, as an, as an example, mm. right, which is somewhat unfortunate, but it's kind of where we're at. But yeah, so so those types of things, um, thermal on, on UAS to, you know, to look for you know, people that may have escaped from, you know, some kind of correctional facility or something like that. Um, that you know, UAS is being used more and more for things like that as well. Uh, are they going to start scanning crime scene instead of doing the whole little yellow triangle thing with a number on it and taking the picture, just dropping a uh, running a scan on it, and then just having why not everything digital digital right? model? Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, without those little yellow triangle things, it just doesn't it's sound not the same. same. It's not the same. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Um, so, what do you guys see? When you look at the future of surveying, you both have surveying backgrounds and being in the business you're in, what does the future of surveying look like for you guys? Good, Rick, you can go first. Well, I think the future of surveying, and I think the biggest changes over the next five years or so, is, is less related to the hardware in the field. And I think it's more related to you know, in the future, there's going to be no more paper maps. Everything's going to be a three-dimensional design. Uh, several of the Department of Transportations in, in, in the area that, that we operate are already talking about going to completely di- digital, you know, plan sets, for lack of a better term. But, you know, everything's going to be, uh, you know, a digital design. There's, you know, and there's a fair number of white papers, if you will, you know, kind of documenting how, the use of these digital designs dramatically reduces not so much like construction costs, but change orders and overruns and things like that, because they are much better at conflict detection and things like that, as opposed to 15 different, slightly different thicknesses of blue lines on a piece of paper. It's all, you know, once you look at it in in a a three-dimensional kind of augmented reality scenario, the, the, the conflicts become very obvious. Mm. And, and, and I think that is, you know, that is the future of surveying, at least, like I said, over the next, you know, five to 10 years. I don't, I don't think the, uh, a lot of the changes are going to be on the hardware, you know, like laser scanning is, it's really good, you know, and I'm sure they'll continue to make, you know, scanners that are scan faster and scan a little bit further, but I don't see any great Mm-hmm. You know, leap not. You know, there, I don't think there's an, another like GPS like revolution on the on the horizon for for service. Sure, sure. And now you watch somebody announce something tomorrow. <laughs> sure. And that again, that's one of the top three topics we talked about while we were yeah. in Energeo. It's just managing all this data that we're able to collect. You know. Yeah, the like, consensus was definitely there that the the hardware will get smaller and faster, but not at the same pace that the software needs to accelerate to keep up with all the the billions of points that that can be that, that right. we, all the data we can collect. Mm-hmm. It's everything after that, and there's a lot of stuff out there, but it still yeah. has a. I think it has a long way to catch up. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Ken? 
future serving? Yeah, what, what do you... I think the same way. Okay. Yeah, I think it's I think it's software. Um, I also think it's you know I think part of the challenge is going to be you know people. Um, you know, I'm at a conference right now. Everybody says if I could hire another crew or if I could hire another crew, right? So I mm-hmm. think in the next you know you know ten years that's that's going to be part of it. We're going to look at technology to get jobs done you know faster. Um, you know, so that, that they can keep up with demand. Everybody's still very busy. Um, so I think that's going to be a component of it is, is going to be either, you know, people are going to take on more training responsibilities for themselves to, to hire people and to train them to what they need to do. And I think they're going to look at technology and, and say, you know, you know, before I would go tote this road, now I'm going to use a mobile mapping system to, to go collect this road at 55 miles an hour, uh, to collect the data I need and then, you know, try to, you know, create the deliverable from there. But, um, but I agree with what Rick's saying. It, it's the software and three dimensions and how we build things and how we as built things is all going to be, I don't want to say real time, but it's all going to mm-hmm. be integrated into one, one, one model of some sort. Well, I mean, you just said, Ken, that, uh, I can hire just any, anybody with no experience and, uh, you guys will train them exactly how to use all the equipment and they'll come out and come out <laughs> just we can an see- expert, right? <laughs> Well, we we can certainly help with that. We 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 definitely have the uh, the team to to to, to do that. Uh, so, what's the future uh, of the company and you guys? Like, uh, keep plowing through and being on the cutting edge here, or what's the what's the next five years look look like for Keystone? Yeah, I think that's you know I think obviously continuing to grow you know, to grow in our our footprint and you know continuing to look at at advanced technologies UAS. Um, you know, being probably one of the more predominant ones, slam technology and how that's continuing to get, you know, um, more accurate all the time. Right. So I think that that's a big one as well. I think anything that can help our customers collect data, accurate data to, to their deliverable needs, I think is, is something that, you know, we're continuing to look to do and that whether it's hardware or software, um, you know, that's kind of where I see us see us moving forward here in the next, you know, the next five years or so. What about you, Rick? What are you excited about? Uh, I know you're a little new, but uh, what are you excited about based on uh, on what Ken said? Um, I'm excited about, you know, kind of the changes in technology, particularly related to, to the software. Mm. And I think, you know, for me, it's going to be fascinating to see in five years how much better the a lot of these software packages that do, you know, even now, a really good job of extracting usable data out of these billions and billions of points and these point clouds and things like that. And, you know, every year and every release, they, they seem to get better and better. We're not quite to the point where you could just press a button and, you know, a map comes out the you know, out of a plotter. But but I, I, I think it's getting there. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's pretty cool stuff. I got to mention this. Um so I somebody posted on LinkedIn the other day, you know, the like, chat GPT has like 3.5 and now they've got 4.0, which is like their next version. Sure. It's more smarter. Oh, it's more smarter? It's more smarter. Oh, okay. Uh, you have to pay for it, I believe. There's some sort of monthly fee or whatever. Well, that's the smarter part about it. But it was Aaron Michalenko, who's yeah. been on the show many a times. Sure, yeah. You know, that guy is always out there, like pushing the envelope yeah. on things. And in the latest version of chat GPT, I hope I get this right, um, you can actually like upload a PDF, right? So he uploaded a PDF of a plat and asked ChatGPT to write a legal description for parcel five on the map. And sure as shit. They did? Yes. 
Really? Yes. Like a good one? It was seventy oh. percent of the way there. Just like everything in chat. Well, GPT, well, you know? well. Think about it. If you handed that to any number of junior right. people in your office, yep. and they came back with seventy percent there, you, you give that guy a raise, right? Yeah, that's but that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah, it's going to get really, really interesting. That's for sure. That's cool. Yeah. Well, before we let you guys get out of there, let's talk about, uh, you know, where our listeners can find out more. Is it uh, best on the website? I'm sure you have a brick and mortar store out there. Um, you know, fill us in on, on the best way to reach you guys and become a new customer. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So we are headquartered in um, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, we have offices in Milford, Massachusetts, uh, Hackensack, New Jersey, and Crofton, Maryland. So right outside of Boston, right outside of New York City, and right outside out of the, the Baltimore, D.C. area. Um, you know, obviously I have a website, um, www.keypre.com. Um, I also have a, a uh, you know, support line that, that you can call. Um, you can, if you're on a website, let me back up a second. If you're on a website, you can actually chat right into our support line to, to get a hold of, of our team to, you know, if you need any help, but you can obviously call our support line. Uh, you can call into any one of our offices to, to get help as well. Um, but yeah, so we cover the Northeast of those uh, four uh, brick and mortar offices. Uh, so I got to ask, uh, we're actually right today. Uh, Phillies are in uh, Phoenix oh, for yeah. the uh, game three. Um, I'm just, uh, just curious what you guys are feeling about the series. Of course, you're up <laughs> 2-0. I'm sure you're pretty confident. Well, it's it is red October, so we are. Um, I am a huge Phillies fan. Rick is not so much, uh, but uh, no, a huge Phillies fan. We're up two nothing. Um, actually, before we hopped right on here, um, it was still zero zero in Game Three. So uh, what's I, the I score right now, Kent? Lately, so hopefully. Uh, um, spoiler alert! Uh oh, our hometown Diamondbacks won two to one. What? Yep. Okay, we're back in the series. That's already over. Yes, it was a two o'clock game. Oh, it was a two o'clock game. Yeah. Oh, we're in this. All right, guys. Yep. <laughs> You're on now. All right. Well, there you go. Well, you need, you need offline. We'll have a friendly wager. I was disappointed that the roof was closed. I really wanted them to open it up because it was like still a hundred degrees I here, know. and I wanted to take that home field advantage and having those uh, the, the, those Philly guys sweat it out a little bit. But uh, good good job, Diamondbacks. Yeah, Keep I'm excited. Making it a series. I know. I'm a bandwagon fan right now. Always. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what else, guys? You got anything else you want to yeah, get what, out there? Yeah. What, what do you got? Um, I don't know. This is, this has been a great experience. I, I met, this is a first time podcast for me. Oh, so nice. this is, cool. uh, this has been, this has been a, yeah, this is, this has been a lot of fun. I wasn't sure what to expect, but, uh, no, this is good stuff. Um, but no, I, I think just, you know, at the end of the day, um, we understand, you know, at Keystone that, you know, if you take a GPS unit out from multiple different manufacturers and you, you know, pound a PK nail in the middle of an open parking lot and, you know, you, you're probably going to get a very similar answer, right? So, so what is the differentiator? And I, you know, we want our differentiator to be, you know, we want to help you. So anything that we can do to, to help you, if you have a measurement challenge um, or something, we want to be the, you know, the name that somebody thinks of and say, let me talk to these guys. I'm pretty sure they have a solution for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and again, we're not, you know, I was in the field for many years. Rick has been in the field for many years. There's nothing worse than having a bulldozer look at you and, and, and your equipment not working and, and nobody to turn to, right? So, mm -hmm. so we're you know 
we take that very seriously. Um, so that's you know something that we really want our customer base to know that we're we're here to help them at at any turn and, and however we can help them. That's that's really what we. Um, what we really strive to do every day. Very well said. Absolutely. It seems like you said that before, buddy. <laughs> about a thousand times. <laughs> right. at least. How about you, Rick? Any uh, final thoughts? Um, just first of all, thanks for having us uh, again. This is my, you know, also my first time on a podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, really appreciate it. And I think, you know, just to kind of echo to what Ken had said, and I don't think he, he had mentioned this earlier, um, or he kind of alluded to it. Uh, several years ago, Keystone changed it. It used to be Keystone Precision Instruments. They changed it to Keystone Precision Solutions. And mm. I think that is very yeah. emblematic like as, as to the philosophy because, we, you know, we do want to be, you know, our customer's measurement solution, mm. not just, you know, not just somebody selling you equipment and hoping you, you have a good day. You know, we, you know, I think we, and certainly I got this, you know, this kind of experience when I was a customer that, you know, they are more of a consultant, you know, kind of more in, in a consulting role and helping you, you know, helping our customers solve their, their management or their measurement problems, whatever that is, whether that's, you know, they need more equipment or they, they have a new, you know, kind of a new project, not quite sure how to do it and looking for some ideas uh, as, as to the best way to do it. And that, you know, that's, that's not always, you know, new equipment or, you know, more, you know, kind of, some really expensive solution. A lot of times, it's it's really not, you know, not over overly complicated. So, people sometimes you know tend to make things more complicated than they have to be. Yep, agreed, hundred uh, percent. Sean, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, that's all, all good stuff. All good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm out of practice here. I forgot how to close out a show. I know. I guess I, I got to get the music queued up here, right? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, go Diamondbacks. Go D-backs. Exciting. Exciting. (laughs) All right, guys. Great job. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. Uh, Adding value, making friends. We are. uh, Keystone. I love them. Once again. these guys. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show or have uh, any topical ideas, shoot us an email at info at thegeoholics.com. Poison, nothing but a good time. Available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, uh, check out... K-E-Y-P-R-E dot com and ask yourself, what's the deliverable? What I love the deliverable? that. Yep. Most importantly, of course, be safe and healthy.